Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to the Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode. Today I'm joined again by a lady called Marcy Moberg and you may remember Marcy joined us previously when she was um, when she did an episode called Being You Takes Courage um, and I've invited Marcy back to talk about how to navigate through darkness. Marcy, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for having me back. And um, yeah, so how to, I mean, I I particularly like these how to's because there's so much stuff, uh, particularly within the personal development world, isn't there about, oh, just find more courage or just do this or just do that or, you know, just do it. And I think we we kind of laughed um, on the previous episode that, uh, well, we're not advertisements for Nike, just do it. So where would you start us on that conversation of how to, Marcy? I would say the first step for anyone that's navigating themselves out of a dark place, which which is certainly where I started um, many years ago when I found myself, like I spoke about in the last conversation, in this really difficult turning point on the floor of my kitchen crying and wondering what on earth happened in my life. How did I end up? creating a life that literally felt like it was someone else's. And I think um, there's kind of a twofold twofold pieces that are there to get people to start coming out of the darkness. And one is to have awareness that there is such a mismatch perhaps happening for you. There is a really big misalignment that there is this moment of, okay, wait a minute. Um, my path or this career or this relationship or in in my case it was literally check all the boxes um, is not is I've either outgrown it or I somehow lost myself and and kind of started creating someone else's path and I think that first step of acknowledging that misalignment is really really important because any actions you're going to take afterwards have to come from that acknowledgement. And honestly, sometimes that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part to go, whew, yeah, this is not working. This is not working. Um, So that's the first step. And then I think the second step really is to then decide that you are willing to change and and not only that you're willing to change but that you're willing to do um to take a path that might it might be kind of difficult right because i i always find that when we're navigating out of a dark spot when we're navigating out of a a moment where we're feeling um a lot of pain and suffering that we're really wanting to reach a lot of times in those moments for an easy button. But I do find that 
creating the change is not easy. It's, it's not usually, but once we like make that decision and that choice, and then we start to take the, some initial baby steps in alignment with that new choice, it, it does step-by-step step get a little bit easier. So those are, I think, first two really, really critical pieces that you can't really skip over because I've seen people try to want to create shifts in their life, but they haven't really done the acknowledgement of what's not working and allowing those illusions to fall to really be with what is. And then from that place of really acknowledging, okay, this is this is kind of, you know, this is not great. This is where this is. This is missed this list, you know, this marriage isn't working for me, or um, I know that this career path is not working for me. Without acknowledging those pieces, um, we could end up maybe trying to navigate in a direction that is then trying to make what's not fitting to fit still. And it can actually um, really elongate our suffering. Yeah, and I think the key point there, Marcy, which is worth uh, reinforcing to to listeners is that change can be, sometimes can be very, very, very painful to to accept that and and to want to go on that voyage of discovery and and as you say leave a relationship behind which you know although it might not be uh, and I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate might not be perfect or might not even be that good um, or for whatever reason it is we've decided to leave it there's still going to be some kind of ties there isn't there particularly for example if children are involved or or whatever the dynamic is so I suppose, you know, just to reinforce the point, whether it's a relationship or, and like you said, a career, because, you know, even a career, a job, it's it's a relationship with our work time, isn't it? You know, and everything that goes with that. It's not easy, is it? It's There's no kind of magic wand thing. OK, I've just woke up and realised how bad my life is or how, how rubbish I feel. I'll get a magic wand and, and tomorrow everything will be fine. It's not the case, is it? No, <laughs> it's not the case. Um, I know that many of us wish that that's the case, but it's not the case. And I think that it's kind of, a, it, it, I think it's quite a new um, modern perspective that change. And, um, you know, really when we're talking about big change like this, <clears throat> I think we're really talking about an awakening experience. And, and I think that it's only a modern um, it's only in modern society that we talk about spiritual awakening or growth or this kind of an awakening and, you know, pretty big shift in our lives to wake up to what's happening from a place of, uh, of ease and simplicity. That, that's just not what, how people have spoke about um, awakening and bringing more consciousness into our lives, which is essentially what we're doing when we have this moment of going, okay, wait a minute. Um, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain emotionally, like things are not working. That's really the starting of an awakening. And when we look at back in, you know, way, way, way back into history, um, regardless of what tradition we're talking about or, or peoples that have taught about these kind of teachings around waking up, it's, it's never 
um, you know, the allegories and the stories and the myths that are told are not easy stories. They're quite difficult and they, they have a, a lot of um, struggle in them. And I'm not saying that people have to make it hard. They don't have to make it hard, but it's to say um, to expect that then, you know, things will flow easily from there is, is, you know, kind of setting yourself up for a lot of some new suffering and some new frustration instead of recognizing like, okay, this acknowledging from the start, okay, this may be difficult. This may be challenging. It's likely there's going to be times along the way that I'm going to want to turn around and go back to what feels familiar. And I'm deciding in this moment that I know that things need to change. And therefore I am, I'm committing to myself. I'm committing to my heart. I'm committing to my deeper, wiser self. I'm committing to my soul. I'm committing to the part of me that brought this awakening process to me. I'm committing to moving through that, even though it's maybe going to be hard and uncomfortable along the way. So then it's, you know, from that point, it's both simultaneously staying committed to um, what you know to be, what newly you know to be true, whether that's, you know, like, okay, I need to leave this career path or this relationship isn't working for me, or I really need to change my lifestyle, or I need to, I, the, the relationship with my family is not working. I really need to um, shift that and renegotiate that, whatever that is. It's simultaneously being committed to taking baby steps towards that change and um, really nurturing the part of you that's going to be scared along the way. The part, of, the old parts of you that are going to be, you know, throwing temper tantrums. The old parts of you that are going to want to be pulling you behind. And um, you know, we could think of that in terms of how Carl Jung talks about the shadow. It's really these unconscious, subconscious parts of ourselves that can pop up when we want to do when we when we recognize that we're out of alignment with maybe our deeper selves and those parts of us will pop up um to try to stop us along the way to try to tell us why we're making wrong decisions and um and have fear and so we need to simultaneously tend to those parts of ourselves that will be scared, that will be angry, that will throw temper tantrums along the way, that will say this is uncomfortable um, and really tend to those parts of ourselves like the most loving, universal kind of mothering energy, parenting energy that we could ever think of, bringing that to those parts of us along the way and, and not being surprised when we feel like we wanna be in a temper tantrum and going like, okay, yeah, I, I I acknowledge that this would happen. I knew that this might happen along the way. Okay, so here, here we are. Um, now what? Mm. Now how can I, how can I nourish this part of me that's feeling, is understandably feeling scared and anxious, and keep um, and keep tending to the change that I know my spirit is asking me to make. One of the things. Marcy, that I'd like to sort of share from my own how-to, and I'd be really interested in your thoughts and your feedback, uh, and it's particularly relevant to, you know, to this chosen title of how to navigate through darkness. For me, I think the power of words is massively underestimated. 
particular the words we tell ourselves. And it's a bit of a catch-22 situation, really, because isn't it true that when we're in a dark place, whatever that may be, a dark place, um, it's very hard to try and be positive around yourself, to be uplifted around yourself. But that kind of dragging ourselves um, away from that darkness is is very much around that that self-talk isn't it um w- would you agree with that before i take this any further yeah and i think sometimes so i definitely think the self-talk plays a role and i think sometimes we try to move ourselves um <clears throat> out of that self-talk into a pos- positive place too fast which is why then doing something like um you know, if a part of you, for example, is, is kind of having a temper tantrum and it's like, this is, you know, all horrible and it's never going to work out. And what am I doing with my life? It's like sitting down with yourself on, you know, in a chair and the, the couch, whatever that is and going, okay, got it. And it's like you, is it, if you imagine you have the audience of that part of yourself and you're like, okay, tell me more, tell me more. What are you really thinking? What are you really feeling and, and listening and, Um, And if sitting down and listening in that meditative way is not um, easy or comfortable, then it's maybe, you know, voice memo recording yourself or it's journaling, like whatever that is, but you're giving voice to that because what is on the other side of that can be access to a wider perspective, which then can be perhaps more hopeful, more uplifting, um, have some more of these positive sparks, but we have to... Um, acknowledge that because it may when something like that is sticky and it keeps sticking with us it's because it wants audience Mm. when you use the words there too fast you know removing uh, or getting away from that too fast what came through my mind then is this um, this is you know wrapped up in the the use of words language but this is more insightful around Two words, two very contrasting words, which obviously um, sometimes get interchanged. And those two words are motivation and inspiration. Because I think we can be motivated to change. And a classic example, um, you know, Christmas, New Year is around, oh, I'll join a gym. I'll lose weight. I'll pack up smoking. I'll pack up drinking. Um, you know, I've, I've got some new trainers for Christmas. So I'm going to I'm going to run the marathon next year or, and all this kind of motivational bracket, superficial stuff. But isn't it true that the real change takes place when we go down into the C drive of our world, into our inner world? That real and change the program completely to use that computer metaphor because we're inspired to do so and that deep-rooted inspiration goes way 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 uh, way beyond superficial motivation and I think to have that insight around change Marcy is very profound and these are you know for me these are some basic insights um, because I really do try and keep things very, very, very simple. Mm-hmm. What, what's your thoughts around this this use of language in the context of motivation and inspiration? Yeah, I think motivation is not enough. I think motivation is a great spark. And then 
part of changing and shifting that programming as you were talking about. I, I also love the metaphor of a program. Part of changing that kind of computer system inside of us is being willing to dive into the parts that we feel that are going to be resistant, that are going to be fearful, that are going to self-sabotage, that are going to um, obstruct us, that are going to have tantrums. Like it's, it's actually leaning into that rather than avoiding it. Cause a lot of times how people try to create changes, okay, I'm motivated. And then when um, some resistance comes up and it keeps coming up, people just ignore it eventually it ends up kind of like coming up behind them like a shadow would and taking them out by sweeping their legs from underneath them. And that's because they kept ignoring it. And we, we can't ignore that. We can't ignore these parts of ourselves. We actually like by diving into those parts of ourselves in an intentional way, in a mindful way. And I think a lot of times at the beginning, it, re it requires support. I mean, how I learned to do this process myself was through a lot of support mm. a lot of uh, you know expert support along the way because i was just way too close to my stuff i was just way too close um to to my own inner world to be able to actually start to develop an observer and witnessing ability to go oh and name it and go i'm having okay got it a part of me is having a tantrum right now that's interesting. What is this about? Instead of avoiding it being like, well, I just have to go to the gym anyways. Well, okay. But what what's happening really? Like why, why is there a temper tantrum metaphorically? Why is there a part of me that's so aggravated every single time I move towards this shift? What, what is, what is that really about? So I think motivation is not enough. And then two, we need to be connected to a why. Like, why are we creating this shift? So many times, you know, I, I like your example of New Year's resolutions. A lot of times people set New Year's resolutions, um, whether it's something um, kind of more on the surface, like, you know, I, I want to lose weight or I want to wake up earlier, or it's something, you know, that's even kind of, you know, maybe a bigger shift for them of, okay, I, I actually want to move into an entirely different career path, uh, whatever that is. Um, we need to know why. Well, why are you losing weight? Why are you wanting to change your career path? Like, to what end? And I don't mean uh, necessarily just an outcome, but it's the question of like, what moves you around that? What, what, what is the, what are the feeling words that come up for you around that shift and that change that you're seeking and desiring? Because those are the pieces that actually underneath um, truly motivate us versus kind of surface level motivation. And when we start to get underneath our motivation in a sense to get to the why, then, then we have a little bit more fuel to be able to work with when our resistance naturally will come up. I was listening to you speak earlier on around the word awakening as well. Um... That, I mean, I think for me, Marcy, that kind of reinforces the, you know, when we first step out on our journey and this kind of creating this, uh, or we've got this awareness um, in its loosest sense of the need for change because of whatever reason, this mm -hmm. is not a good life. There's got to be something better. And, and it can be as simple as that, can't it? And it usually is from my experience of this is not right. 
life's, you know, I don't know what life's supposed to be like when it's lived to the full and all this and the other, but I know this ain't it. And I think, you know, that alone is a kind of a real basic stepping stone, a baby step, just to say, okay, let me go on a voyage of discovery. But there's this whole kind of thing, um, as, as we, particularly within personal development, uh, Martin, I'm really interested in your thoughts around this with these help uh, groups and, and what have you, um, around, yeah, again, the use of language and the words. And going back to that word awakening, um, and if I can use a different sort of part of that awakened, you know, I hear so many people say, I'd love to be more awakened. My own personal reaction to that is you're chasing something. Mm -hmm. That's from a perspective of lack. And when you strip everything back down, or am I oversimplifying this too much? But when you strip it all down, isn't it one a choice between, and this is the kind of first baby steps about having an, an intellectual or a mental awareness of what's actually going off here. Because, and I love what you said about the feelings, because that's where the real power is. Once we start locking in feelings, well, we're on a different playing field then. But initially, is it true, I ask you, Marcy, from your experience and your perspective, that those first baby steps are usually decided on a mental level, on a I would say relative superficial level and it is around even if you don't accept it being aware that I heard somebody say the other day it's a simple choice between love and fear what's your thoughts around that is it a simple choice between love and fear mm, no I I mean I've heard that dichotomy before and I think it's how maybe I perhaps thought of it at the beginning on my path and so that dichotomy can be useful I think as a as a as um, a way to guide some choices along the way. However, I think it can get us into a sticky place because then people believe that the fear won't continue to follow them. And honestly, that's just not my experience of life. That's not my experience that then, you know, we don't want, I don't believe we one day necessarily just like arrive and then all fear is gone. I, I have not experienced that in my lived experience. I have instead a different relationship with my fear. I have, um, you know, my fear doesn't necessarily activate my nervous system in the same way, but fear is still there for me. Fear is still, is still on my path. Mm. Fear is still present. And the question is, can I give weight to my inner voice and my inner truth and the wider perspective of what I'm committed to more than my fear. Um, and so it's not actually leaving my fear behind. I have a very deep relationship with my fear. I dialogue with my fear very regularly. Fear has been an important teacher for me. In fact, I spent one whole year only focusing on fear. I spent one whole year doing that. It was this process where after I, um, I thought that I was going to become a, a Buddhist nun and I, in that process of, of, staying in a monastery, I shaved my head in, in commitment to this choice. And while I was driving cross country in the United States back to where I live in Washington, DC to pack up my things and then eventually move in a couple of months to the monastery, 
I was intuitively guided through a series of synchronicities to this place to stay in Arizona. And while I was staying there, I started really deeply reflecting on the choice I had made, which felt very clear in the moment that I made it and very resonant, very deeply resonant. And while I was sitting in meditation, what bubbled up for me was this really interesting question. The question that I heard come in from my inner experience was, Marcy, what are you choosing if you become a Buddhist nun? And in response to this question in my inner world, I kind of went through a long list of answers that were pretty obvious to me because I had thought about doing a monastic like life path for a quite a long time at that point. And then another question popped up, which was really interesting that I hadn't thought about, which was, what are you not choosing? And when I sat with that question, the one word that came to me was fear. And what's interesting is that if I had, for example, followed this sense of choosing love over fear in that place, maybe that path would have led me to um, join the monastery. But I knew in that moment that actually my fear was where my practice was. Mm. So I decided instead to get really curious about that fear. And I, I committed for one whole year that I would go back to Washington, D.C. I made like this co like covenant almost with myself and with the universe and said, okay, um, I, see, I see you, fear, and um, I, I'm, I really want to make a very, very intimate relationship with you. So for the next year, I will walk into the fires of every fear that I find, and I'm going to walk straight into it. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm not going to walk away from it. I'm, every Anytime you pop up, I'm literally going to walk straight to you. And so that's what I did. So for a whole year, I did everything from, you know, I was really, I had gone out of, at that point, I had been out of my um, previous abusive marriage that I had spoken about in the previous episode. Um, so I started dating, which was really the something I was petrified about because I was really afraid of getting in uh, an abusive relationship again. I decided to to make the scary scary leap of leaving my tenured government job that I knew I had uh, been invited to leave, but instead of leaving it to go to a landing place that kind of felt safe, like the monastery, I decided to leave and do the scariest thing, which was to do to like really uh, be independent and do my own business. Uh, so it was like big choices like that all the way to small choices, like afraid of heights. And so I started going, I went on a, um, a rock climbing class and I ended up falling in love with rock climbing and was rock climbing for, you know, that rock climbing was a big hobby for me for a long time. Um, so, you know, I say that because I think that while that maybe that um, dichotomy can be helpful just as you're starting to take, just as you recognize like, okay, things are off. Uh, I need to make some changes. Fear versus love can maybe be a helpful guide in those quick first steps. But then after that, when you've gotten enough like stability underneath you where you're starting to feel like, okay, I have a little more clarity on where I'm going. You don't have to have all the clarity, but you have a little more clarity. It kind of feels a little bit less emergency mode maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, then I say, now turn towards your fear. So maybe the, the next phase of peeling back those layers 
is around changing the words yet again. Uh, maybe I offer this as a suggestion mm. rather than um, <laughs> a fact, because what is a fact when all said and done? But to change the words from fear versus to uh, fear versus love, to change it to fear and love. It's more of a yin and yang. Does that mm. resonate a bit more as we peel back the layers? Would that would that be true? Yeah, I think it's it's being you could say fear and love. You could say fear and I mean love, and I think love expand includes a lot of other words inside of it. You could say like expansion, wisdom, freedom, and I think you know it could be whatever is the highest kind of sense of energy that people resonate with because. It may be the word love for some people resonates for them, but maybe for other people, the word freedom is actually what resonates with them most strongly in this lifetime. Mm. Um, or, um, you know, purpose or connected or, so I would think I would invite people to see like, what is the, what is the word that feels most all encompassing? Um, and, take that the word that feels most all-encompassing and most supportive and and have that be the the fear and whatever that is fear and connection fear and freedom fear and um love for you know before i i kind of leaned into my fear a question that did guide me at the beginning of my process was what would love do what would love do you know i don't know how it is in in um where you are, but in the United States, some people, at least when I was younger, they used to wear these bracelets that would say WWJD, which says, what would Jesus do? And so I, this was like a very like famous thing that people would wear. And it would be this like personal reminder to them to kind of think from a different place. And for me, um, on my path, I changed that to what would love do. And that was the question that guided me in my initial steps. But again, I say it's, for me, it's always about nuance because um, so many people that come to do work with me, you know, say, well, I, you know, I've taken these steps, but I'm still petrified or, um, you know, or they're acting from a place of quote unquote love, right? But when we really get under the surface, they're not being loving towards themselves. And honestly, the, the acting from a loving place, quote unquote loving place is actually what kept me in my abusive relationship for a long time because I had so much compassion for the suffering that my my husband at the time was going through. It kept me in that dynamic, but I didn't include the love for myself to recognize that it was really, really unhealthy for me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for that's again, I, I bring that nuance in not to overcomplicate things to people, but to say that, you know, these, these things are really messy and there are a lot of layers and it is, it is more of a, like you said, a yin and yang. It is more of a both. And it's, mm. it's both love and, um, you know, it's both loving kindness for the other, other people and loving kindness for yourself. It's both, um, you know, moving forward without your fears ruling you and having a very deep relationship with your fear and recognizing that fear may still take you out along the way. It's, it's a both and journey. And I think that if we start to move 
more into a place of recognizing how we navigate out of our dark spots is much more of a both and list than an either or, and that there's a lot of nuance and gray in the middle, then it, I think people will have a quote unquote easier time because it they'll recognize that this uh, simplification of, of feeling like they'll arrive to a place where fear doesn't exist is, is no longer what they're seeking, that, that instead they're learning how to be able to hold the both and of life, right? Because for me in that moment, when I was at my big turning point, it was, you know, I wasn't able to hold both and. I wasn't able to hold both care for myself and other people. I was only holding care for other people. I wasn't able to hold both my greater perspective of my spirit and where it was inviting me to go and my fears. I wasn't able to hold both. And I think that once we start to, after we kind of navigate out of the initial like emergency steps, like where we don't feel like we're so much at kind of just like on the floor crying anymore. Like I was, you kind of are, you know, a couple steps from that. Then the more that you can continue to have the work be about expanding your spaciousness inside of yourself to allow for both. And that's where we can really become very deep seated and grounded into our inner truth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Marcy, I want to ask you uh, by way of bringing things to a close. Well, first of all, before I ask you, I want to thank you for for sharing your for, for sharing your insights and being part of this, um, you know, this this dance, as I call it, this conversation, call it what you will. So sincere gratitude to, um, you know, to you for that. Thank you. Thank you for hosting and holding the space. And yeah, so how can we get in touch with you? How can people get in touch with you then, Marcy? Uh, people can find me online at, w, at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. And you can find out about my current work there. I also have um, a solo podcast called Tune In With Marcy that people can find on um, all different platforms wherever they find their podcasts. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Superb. Thank you. So there we have it, listeners. I sign off, as I always do, by saying, remember, no matter what you do in life, always walk your path with heart. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.